great to have you with us this morning. If you want to sit down next to your new friend, feel free. Hopefully you met someone new or reacquainted yourself with someone that you haven't seen for a while. Let me add to Brooks, welcome. It's great to have you with us this morning. My name's Brad, I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, we're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're new. I know there's a, always some new people in the room, so great to have you with us. Um, I think this morning we are having a, a barbecue lunch. If anyone wants to stick around and join us for a barbecue after the service, there's plenty of food there, plenty to uh, enjoy. The weather's going to be great. We maybe will get a game of cricket going or something out on the lawn and um, enjoy some food together. So make sure you stick around for that if you're able to. We'd love to, to have you for that. As you can tell, I'm not in Yarram. Uh, AI's... That sort of technology is not, we're not quite up to casting a, what's that called? A hologram up here yet. Maybe next year. We'll see how we go. Uh, no, but Yaron, uh, of course, and a lot of Gippsland South had terrible storms on Tuesday and uh, they still, they've got most of their power and network back, but um, it's still out in a few spots. So we will do our celebration next fortnight on the 3rd of March all things going well, down in Yarram, have some lunch down there, celebrate their two years, um, which will be fantastic. Um, Also, what else have we got coming up? I just said that, lunch today, yeah, still still lunch. You're still talking, you weren't paying attention? (laughs) Anybody else that was still talking while I was talking? Tsk, tsk, tsk. We are having lunch today after service. Next Sunday, we're having an encounter night at five o'clock. And we might do some dinner after that too. Maybe order some pizza or something. We'll see how we go. Um, So please come along to that. It's going to be fantastic. Um, But we are continuing in our vision series. We've been talking about being in his presence. In his presence. I want to read a a verse, a couple of verses from Romans chapter 8. I wanted to read all of Romans chapter 8, but that's like 39 verses. Um, And I already talked long enough, so let's just do six. And um, I'll encourage you to go read it in your own time. Romans chapter 8, verses 10 to 16, it says this, Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Let's pray together. God, we thank you um, this morning for your word and for your presence in this place. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within each of us. And God, we pray that you might help us to hear your voice and understand your truth and for it to change us from the inside out. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're like frozen in fear. You know, when you're faced with something um, that scares you, there's like, is there three main responses? Flight, fight, or freeze. Uh, And there's something about 
um, the, the way our bodies are made up is that when we are faced in a really terrifying situation, things just shut down. Uh, we stop thinking, we stop working out. Um, I, I remember we did some training uh, for the emergency relief, which is like for bushfires and floods and stuff when we're here as chaplains. And one of the things they showed us was this guy who um, got stuck in a fence uh, in, the, in the middle of the fires and he just didn't know how to get out. Like his leg was just, had a bit of wire around it and he was, the, the flames and the fire were coming and it was only because he was on the phone to someone saying, get up and untangle your leg, that he was able to get up because his body just froze in that fearful situation. Uh, for me, maybe it's um, being up high, just like, I'm not great with heights. Um, and growing up as like teenagers and sometimes you go to like the blue pools or go to these different places where they have like rocks and you jump off. And I'd just be always like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom or <laughs> my dog's sick or something. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's a very silly thing to do. Um, but sometimes you can have just like that moment of courage in those fearful situations, can't you? A moment of courage, a moment of adrenaline where you just make that crazy leap uh, and, and a moment of boldness and it can change everything. Sometimes for the worse, but sometimes for the better. Um, you know, last week we talked about the, the manifest presence of God and how in those moments where we know something in our head, but we have that feeling as well of God speaking to us or God being present with us, that we're able to be courageous and Maybe that happened if you're, if you're married and you um, proposed to someone before. You know, you know in your head that you want to do it, but it just takes that moment of like, okay, I've got to do it. Um, we're making a big move or taking a risk or, you know, and we are sometimes some hesitant because it, it might fail. There's, there's fear there for a reason because it's telling you that something might not go the way you think it might. Something might happen that you can't plan for, that you can't know for. And fear holds us back. Fear holds us back from living with courage and living with boldness. And these verses that we just read talk about this idea of fear and what it takes to push through that fear and live with boldness and courage and how God would want us to live with boldness and courage. And so this morning I want to um, talk a, a bit about the presence of God in us. So last week we talked about the manifest presence of God or the special presence of God. And if you missed that, it's just that sense of when God is present with you. God is everywhere. We talked about omnipresence and special presence. And so I'm not going to preach last week's sermon. Just go back and find it on YouTube or on our website and you can listen to that one. But I want to talk about this experience or the infilling, indwelling presence of God. So in Acts, in the book of Acts, we've been thinking about this story the last few weeks. In Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. And so the disciples are in the upper room and they're praying and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And this is what it says in verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like that of violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying, the manifest presence of God. And they saw tongues like flames of fire separated and rested on each of them. And then they were all filled, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit enabled them. And then just jump down to verse 12 to 15. The people all around them were astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Because they were preaching and talking about the goodness of God. But some sneered and said, oh, they're drunk on wine. And Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice 
and proclaim to them, fellow Jews and all of you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. I mean, I find it amusing that the only defense he has for not being drunk is the time of day. (laughs) It's just too early for that, boys. But he says, no, there's something else going on here. And, it's, and they're likened to being drunk. And in, verse, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, you get the same idea. In Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. There's this idea that somehow being drunk and being filled with the Spirit, uh, there's similarities in these two things. In fact, they're so similar that they were mistaken for being drunk. There are some ways in which being drunk and being filled with the Spirit are similar. There are some ways in which they're not. But being filled with alcohol, being, um, and being drunk is not so much, uh, one commentator wrote this, um, not so much about how much alcohol is in you, but how much alcohol has you, how, how it's affecting you. And I think it's a great way to think about that because it's the same with the Spirit. Not, we're not talking about how much the Spirit is in you, but how much the Spirit has you. How much of the surrender you have to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. And alcohol, and I've talked about this before, is, is a depressant. It dulls your sense of reality. And this is what makes, leads to sometimes courageous and bold choices is because you have less sense of the reality around you. And you have more sense of, I could, um, you know, stand on a table and do a backflip off it, when in fact you couldn't. Uh, and your body can't do that, or maybe you can, but you, I'm talking for myself, I can't do that. And I'm blind to reality. And, so, and, and in fact, sometimes that's what people would say if you're, if you're drunk, is they're blind. Have you heard this? Blind drunk. And it's, it's because of this blindness, this dullness, this reduction in um, what you can see it leads to incredibly courageous, sometimes very silly, reckless, as Ephesians would say, living and choices. It leads people to, to think they can do things that they normally wouldn't think they could do. They wouldn't even think about doing, perhaps. So in some ways it's similar. In some ways, like um, being filled with the Spirit leads to incredible joy and excitement in life. It should change the way you walk. Someone who's had a lot to drink would change. They might have a bit of a stagger, swagger to them. There's something about Christians that should be different in the way we walk, not physically speaking, but in the way we conduct our life. There should be something that's different, extremely bold in action. Uh, The company around you, uh, someone drunk will find a a bar and find people that want to drink with them. And and in the same way, a Christian should seek the company of other Christians and be uh, surrounded by those that are filled with the Spirit. A drunk will drink lots every day, and so too a Christian should be full of spirit every day, constantly going back. Um, speech, someone who is drunk might say things they might not normally say, because there's a greater sense of courage. And the same way, we should be filled with the spirit to speak out boldly, like what we read in Acts 2. And so the Holy Spirit is the way we experience God and the way we experience his presence. It leads to bold and courageous living. It leads to a life without fear, of death, without fear of failure, without fear of rejection. Because the person full of the Spirit 
and who uh, is controlled by the Spirit has all these things already. And so the question isn't how much of the Holy Spirit is in you, but how much the Holy Spirit has you. What the Holy Spirit does for us enables this kind of courage and boldness. So remember um, Acts chapter 2 is when they fill with the Spirit, the day of Pentecost comes. In Acts chapter 1, however, we hear Jesus speaking to the disciples, speaking to his people and saying, you know, I'm about to go up to heaven, but I want you to wait here. I want you to wait until the Spirit is given. Acts 1, 4 and 5 says this. Uh, He was with them. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And then Jesus is gone and he's back to heaven. And the disciples are left wondering. I imagine there's a sense of like, is he really coming back? Like, can you imagine being in that moment where Jesus has finished his ministry, he's died on the cross, he's rose again, and they've had this 40 uh, days, and then he goes back to heaven, and you could be left wondering, oh, what's going on? Is this real? How do we know he is who he said he was? How do we know that it's true? We're going to wait. What was that? How can we be sure that we're going to go where he has gone? So they go upstairs to a room, to an upper room, and wait for the Holy Spirit, and they pray. And the Holy Spirit arrives 10 days later, and at the beginning of Acts 2, which we read, they're filled, and they're courageous, and they're bold. They preach, they minister, they heal the sick, they, they go without worrying of being rejected or killed or put into prison. They live these incredibly courageous, bold lives. And I want us to think about how and why this happens. Because what the Holy Spirit does, he shows you reality. This is where it's different from alcohol, where alcohol would dull you to reality. The Holy Spirit awakens your sense of what is real and what is true about who you are and whose you are. He shows you that in reality you have life, that you're accepted and that you're triumphant. And Romans 8 is perhaps the best chapter that you could go to to understand this truth. And I encourage you to read Romans chapter 8, and, and like I said, we don't have time to read it all, but let me read the first, a few of the verses, we'll get through some of it. Verses 1 to 4, it says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his Son in the likeness of a sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the laws required might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's a mouthful, isn't it? It's a lot of words to try to get your head around. So Romans 8 is talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, highlighting that there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no sense of uh, the law at work in you when the Holy Spirit is in you. And he gets so worked up when you read Romans 8, it's like he's just so excited about this idea and he keeps asking questions and building upon his arguments and um, and it's a great idea of why the spirit is such good news for the believer it starts with a therefore and so you can ask what's it there for in Romans 7 if you read the chapter before Paul's talking about how he's not like triumphant over sin in, in and of himself he says things like the things that I don't want to do I keep doing the things I do want to do I don't do like I'm just not the person that I know I should be. I keep failing. I keep messing up. 
And this is Paul we're talking about. One of the people that we will look at and go, he's like put in prison, beaten, killed. You know, like he was someone who took the word of God seriously and lived courageously. And he's saying he messed up, he fell short. But he's saying, I, I can't live the life that I'm supposed to live. But there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I'm still free, I'm still courageous, I'm still bold because of what the Spirit is showing me about who I am. And I want to show us um, how this happens. So the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is trying to show us something about who we are so that we could live these courageous and bold lives. And when you see it and when you hear it, it gives you freedom from fear because you're not going to fail and you're not going to be rejected. The first thing that um, we see through Romans 8 is that the Holy Spirit is at work to bring about new life. And when we understand we have new life, uh, this fuels our courage and our boldness. In verse 10, which we read right at the start, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. And this is the first way in which the Spirit gives you confidence or courage is that you are not responsible for your own salvation. You are not responsible for your own salvation. You don't make yourself alive, so to speak. You can't make yourself be saved. The Spirit does this work in you. Just like a dead person can't make themselves alive. So if you put your faith in Jesus and you call yourself a Christian, that is evidence of the Spirit in you, already at work already at work. You can be sure of the Spirit's work within you. In uh, Corinthians says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. The fact that you can confess and say that, yeah, he is the Saviour, he is Lord, is evidence of God's work in you. And so that's the beginning point. And then from there, the Spirit keeps bringing you back to this truth and this reality. And that's where assurance comes in. Not only does the Holy Spirit bring about new life, but he assures you of it constantly. The Holy Spirit is sort of like uh, a floodlight. Uh, we've got some floodlights out here in the car park, and at night time, uh, we turn them on. And do you know why we turn them on? Not so that you can see the lights, but so that you can see the building in the car park. So from the road, when you drive past, you can see what's here. The Holy Spirit is like that sort of floodlight. It's not trying to draw attention to himself, but he's trying to draw attention to Jesus. It's, in fact, why a lot of the times when we sing, we don't worship the Holy Spirit. We don't, and it's not wrong to, don't get me wrong, but the Holy Spirit's work in our life is that we would see and glorify Jesus. He's trying to shine a light on what Jesus has done for you and who Jesus is. Look at Jesus, see how he saved you. And because you can see Jesus and you can see his death on the cross is for you and that your sin is paid for, you can be sure that he saved you. In John 16, it tells us this about the Holy Spirit. Uh, It says, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the rule of this world has been judged. 
I think sometimes we can read a verse like that and we can think that the Holy Spirit's job in our life is to convict us of all the wrong things that we're doing. When in fact, that's not what this verse is saying and it's not what the Bible teaches at all. The, the Holy Spirit is not trying to show you more of the law. It's not trying to show you more of the do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. In fact, the Holy Spirit is trying to show you that you are righteous, that you are saved, and that Jesus has done what you could never do. So these verses here, the Holy Spirit assures you of your salvation in this way, in regards to sin, because you don't believe. Not because you're doing the wrong thing, because you don't believe. Notice in, verse, in John 16 there, it says, he will convict the world about sin, because they don't believe. The way to salvation is believing in Jesus. The way to righteousness is because Jesus has gone to the Father. It's because he has secured your righteousness. He has secured your life. He has secured your right standing with God. And in regards to judgment, because the verdict is already in. The enemy has already been defeated. The Holy Spirit doesn't go around pointing out your faults and shortcomings. He goes around pointing out Jesus' work and his grace. And this leads to freedom from sin. You don't get power and courage over sin by it being pointed out to you all the time. You get power over it through being reminded that it's already been disarmed and it's already been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us this, that the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. So what fuels sin is more law, is more do's and don'ts. But thanks be to God, verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are his because of Jesus. You are a child of God because he calls you his own. If we go back to Romans 8 and verses 14 to 16, we read these verses at the start as well, and we'll finish with this idea. For all those who are led by God's spirit are God's sons. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, these things bring us an incredible sense of joy and God's presence in our life and it results in power and courage from the Holy Spirit because we understand, because the Holy Spirit is reminding us of who we are and whose we are. You know, this idea of um, crying out, Abba, Father, that it's talking about in these verses. I don't know if you've ever heard Christians pray sometimes <laughs> and they pray just like funny things like, like daddy God you know people saying that um, and you, it's pretty cringe um, but and if you've done it you're right I mean it comes from this idea don't get me wrong um, the, the Abba father you know Paul's writing in, um, in Greek here and then he just throws in this Aramaic word which means exactly the same thing. So Abba is not the band, it's Father. So he's just saying Father, Father, but he's saying Abba, Father, because the Greek version of Father is not like a, um, it's not a word that a baby would say. Abba is a word that like uh, you would say would perhaps be a first word, much like we in our English would have Dada or Mama, or, you know, um, there's some sounds that little kids can't make when they're first learning how to speak. Like, they can't say t 
and th and sh. Like they can't make some of these complex sounds or two-syllable sounds. So they, we teach them how to say simple sounds. And what Paul is trying to show us here is that, you know, when a, when a baby is, I don't know, say 12 months old, when they start making some of these sounds, typically, I mean, it's ranges. My child was two months old. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Whenever they start making these sounds, um, at that age, that child, the, the person they're saying that to, mama, dada, whatever it is, their whole world is that person. Their whole sense of identity, their whole sense of security, their whole sense of provision, like they have no fear in life. Have you ever met like a 12-month-old who's just like standing on top of a table? However they got up there, we're not sure, but they just see and they just... There is no fear, is it? They don't have that concept yet. And this is the picture Paul is trying to show you, is this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to awaken in you, is a sense that God is your Abba, Father, that he is, that, that you get your sense of security, purpose, meaning, safety, security in him. And when you do, you live free, with courage, with boldness. Because you're not working for anybody else's approval. You're not working to prove yourself to somebody because it's already done. It's a universal truth for every person is that we all want a safe, trusting place to throw our life, our meaning and our identity upon. And sometimes we do that with people around us and they fail us because they were never meant to do that for us and they can't. Even the best parents in this room will still let their children down. And you can't give to your child what only God was meant to give. Someone who is in complete control and someone who has complete power. And you can know a God like this. You can know Abba, Father, through what Jesus has done. And this is what the Holy Spirit's presence in our life does for us. Is that he points out who... Jesus is and what he has done and whose we are. And so that when we forget, when we find ourselves afraid or I'm not living the way I should be, the Holy Spirit, if you allow him, will show you. Do you know whose you are? Do you know you're a child of God? That you can call out to him at any moment? You can trust him with your life and there is no fear in this moment because you will never be rejected. You will never fail. You'll never be, have your life lost. And this is where courage and boldness comes from. It's fearlessness and trusting in something and someone greater. You are completely loved as a son or a daughter of the perfect and completely powerful Father. And in verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And sometimes this comes on uh, and happens in the life of a believer where this idea of testifying is like a, it's like a legal you know, testimony that um, would happen in a courtroom. I've never been in a courtroom before uh, where I've seen this happen, but you've seen it maybe on a movie or a TV show and there's a, a witness, a star witness that comes in and just has that 
final piece of evidence. It's just like, now, is, now the verdict is sure. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us at times, is it comes in and testifies with what's already true in us. It says, see, you are saved. You are a child of God. The verdict is in. It's done and dusted. It's beyond a shadow of any doubt. So thinking back to Acts, when Jesus has gone to heaven, the disciples are sitting there praying, waiting for this Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of them. And suddenly they're awakened to this truth that Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus has secured life and he has fulfilled his promise. We can be sure that he loves us and so we can be sure we can live the way he taught us to live, which is full of faith, full of courage. The Holy Spirit comes and it says that it rests upon them and the Holy Spirit is in them. It's their evidence for what Jesus has done. And the Holy Spirit shines a light for all of us to show us what Jesus has done so that you can live with freedom and courage. And so the question this morning is not how much of the Holy Spirit is in you. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. But how much does the Holy Spirit have you? How much are you surrendered to what the Holy Spirit is trying to show you? And how much are you trying to justify in your own mind yourself about who you are? So we're going to stand and we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit might help us to see Jesus more completely. You know, the final couple of verses in Romans chapter 8, I mean, like I said, he's just Paul just keeps building this idea, but what he says at the end, this crescendo of this truth is this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God as in Christ Jesus our Lord. Holy Spirit, would you help us to see this love that Jesus has? Would you help us to throw our lives upon you? Understand that you are in complete control and you have complete power, but we have nothing to fear. That we are saved by you and that we are assured that we're saved by you and we have courage and, and power through what your Holy Spirit does in us. And God, I pray for anyone this morning that feels like they are not sure who they are or whose they are, that Holy Spirit, you might show them this truth. That they're a child of God because of what Jesus has done. And they can trust you completely, fully, without fear, without condemnation. Would you help us this week to be so aware of your spirit in us? Would you help us to talk and walk with courage and boldness, with love and grace, with truth and power? And in these next few moments, God, we just surrender to you and ask that you would come and fill us 
Make us aware of who you are. We honor you in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Come, let's sing together.